Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, I'm glad that you are here today. And you're really excited to hear about Bernie Madoff, aren't you? Some folks don't know who he is. The guy beside him is named Harry Markopoulos. And 21 years ago, Harry made, he was a securities industry executive. He was a forensic accountant and a financial fraud investigator. 21 years ago, he alerted the Securities and Exchange Commission, known as the SEC, that Bernie Madoff's wealth management scheme wasn't backed by solid funding. He announced it was a Ponzi scheme. He reported that in 2000 and the year 2000 and 2001 and 2005. Now, when he first warned the SEC, uh, Madoff's entire fund had $3 billion. I know that's a lot of money. I mean, if somebody gave you $3 billion, you'd be shocked, amazed, and generously give a lot to the work of the Lord. I know. But listen, it was only $3 billion at that time. But no one listened to Harry. They liked Bernie Madoff. They didn't like Harry Markopoulos. Bernie had served as the NASDAQ Stock Exchange Chairman for several years. He sat on an SEC advisory committee, actually multiple committees, and he was charming and he was popular while Markopoulos was unpopular and intense and a bit argumentative. But because no one listened to Harry, Madoff's scheme progressed and when it collapsed, investors lost 64 point eight billion dollars, substantially more than if the SEC had listened to Harry in the first place. Now, Madoff is now in prison and should be for the rest of his life. He was given 150 years in prison. I don't think he'll outlive that. And uh, Markopoulos wrote a book titled, No One Would Listen. Why didn't the SEC take his warning seriously? Why didn't someone show some wisdom? Well, there's something far bigger than $64.8 billion at stake. Lives are at stake. And we're supposed to show wisdom and learn wisdom from God. And a lot of people make foolish mistakes and then just plunge ahead and keep on making them. Even the average Christian, the person who's supposed to be following Christ, doesn't view God as a daily part of their life. They don't have prayer and devotion. In fact, years ago, like in the mid-1990s, for some of you, that's like ancient history, right? You read about that in the history books. But for those of us who lived through it, it was just a little bit ago, the other day. And in, in the mid-1990s, in that mid-time in there, they did a survey of pastors in a national denomination. We are not a denominational church. We're an independent congregation. 
but in a national denomination of churches, they did this survey and they interviewed pastors. And of the pastors in that group, it wasn't a Baptist group, thankfully, but it was still pretty scary. When they asked them, are the first 11 chapters of Genesis uh, literal, historical, or are they allegorical? 75% of the pastors said they weren't genuine history. Not only that, they asked the pastors, they weren't interviewing just average people, and they asked them how much time they spent in prayer. You know what the average daily time in prayer for the pastors of those churches? Five minutes. That's like praying for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? That's about it. And so there's an ignorance of God's word. There's an ignorance of what wisdom really looks like. And so a guy named Harry presents this wisdom of this is not funded. This is not backed up. Uh, we need to seriously investigate this. And nobody listened. And they didn't listen because of the outside. They didn't listen because Harry was intense and inquisitive and argumentative and Bernie was smooth and Bernie was talk and Bernie was fun to be around and so they didn't pay attention. So this morning I want you to think from we're looking in James chapter 3 at who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? You know what a wise person might look like? Well, we're going to get some descriptions of what wisdom might look like and also some description of what non-wisdom or foolish behavior might look like. But uh, listen, this list is not inclusive. This is not everything the Bible teaches on these subjects. But, but this is stuff that we can learn and incorporate into our lives. We need to remember that we can't see hearts. We can only see the outside. Solomon uh, said that to King Saul years ago. Man looks on the outside. God looks all the way to the heart. So you can't see the inside. But when you watch the outside, you can get some ideas. Now, I don't know if you read up about churches. I do. Um, I, I read about churches and I read about things that happen in churches and some of the scandals that have taken place. And what has happened is there's a lack of accountability on those leaders that are likable. So if that person seems likable, everybody just trusts them like they trusted Bernie Madoff. And sometimes in our churches, it, within the church as a whole, uh, in other churches, uh, Things take place that there have been pastors. One pastor who was on the staff of a church uh, stole more than $300,000 from the church. And nobody questioned it because they trusted him. Well, in our church, they trust me, but they also question. We have accountability, and it's supposed to be that way. And in some churches... Uh, they, they had pastors who were making inappropriate comments to women, and the women just ignored it because he was a really popular, really outgoing, charismatic speaker. Well, we don't want that to happen here. So how can we have wisdom 
to look at the truth of God's word and the reality of our world and speak God's truth into our daily lives. Father, as we look at your word, we pray that our hearts would be open. We pray that we would listen with our mind, our soul, our spirit, our body, that we would listen on purpose, that we would focus and learn. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into our hearts. Lord, I can't do anything to reach people's hearts. Only you can. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in people's hearts to help them learn and grow. And Lord, I pray that the decisions that we make as a result of paying attention today would please and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing is, I want you to think about, you can recognize foolish people because... Now, I had a whole list of things that I was going to do up here just for fun. I was going to say, well, because they like cats or because they wear ASU clothes or something like that. But, you know, I love Tim and he loves ASU and I love Georgia and she loves cats. So I decided I'd leave that out. But listen... We're going to look through here and we're going to look at how you can recognize foolish people and how you can recognize wise people. And we're in James chapter 3 and this morning we're going to begin in verse 13. So I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter and as we're reading this, you look at what it says and see if you see coming what's going to be up on the screen in a little bit, okay? First of all, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It's not heavenly. It's not from God. But is earthly, sensual, or naturalistic. It is demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist... Confusion and everything are there. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. But don't you love that transition? The other uh, wisdom from earth is, is earthly and sensual and demonic and there's envy and strife uh, and confusion and evil. But from God, that wisdom is uh, pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. A few weeks ago, we looked at God is anti-prejudice. Last Sunday, we looked at God hates um, hypocrisy. God hates hypocrisy. Look at verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So how are you going to recognize foolish people? Well, I've wrapped this up into three ideas. First of all, they are self-absorbed. They are self-absorbed. This picture here, there's a guy, and he's got his camera out, and he's looking at a beautiful scene. And what's he taking a picture of? Himself. He's a little selfie-absorbed, right? He's focused on himself. See, look at verse 14. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. They have self-seeking 
hearts. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Uh, There's this self-seekingness, wanting to satisfy our own pleasures. And so Sodom Hussein was the richest guy in Iraq, and he decided he wanted more. So he invaded Kuwait so he could get more. Didn't work out so well for him because the United States stepped in and saved Kuwait. Uh, But the the people are self-absorbed. They just want what they want. And I've heard a mom say that her son's heart attack came at a really inopportune time. She, she really needed his help right now, and he's not there for her. I told her, you know, I'll talk to him, and maybe next time he has a heart attack, he can schedule it when it's convenient for you. Yeah. I've heard parents uh, laughing about the rules that they broke growing up or the rules they break now or who ignored the laws they disagreed with, and then they're shocked that their kids treat them that way. See, you model what you want to get, and, and so people are self-seeking. You know, you might not realize this, especially you younger ones, but it's not all about you. Now, when a baby's born, it's all about them, right? That's all they know. In fact, they think they got servants around. They cry, somebody picks them up, they mess their diapers, somebody cleans it up, they're hungry, somebody feeds them. They think they got a pretty good deal going. Everybody in the world takes care of them. But as you grow up a little bit, you realize it's not all about you. And the only reason somebody takes care of you is because they're sacrificing. And you're supposed to sometimes sacrifice to help take care of them. So foolish people are self-absorbed. You see it in the news. It's amazing when... (coughs) I think the first time it really hit me watching the news in Texas, it was a church group and... Uh, their, their buses were going across a river that was flooding a little bit. And what they didn't go one at a time across the bridge. They should have. And, and they got a couple of buses in line, and uh, the bridge was shaken a little from the water rushing under and the water spilling over. And one of the buses got swept off the bridge. And it was a church camp, a bunch of kids going home from camp. And Uh, Their bus drivers didn't follow the safety rules that our drivers follow going to and from camp, but but it was tragic. And then on the news, one of these moms was saying, I knew God would bring my child home safely. I just knew God would do that for me. And in the same room, there were parents who lost their kids, whose kids didn't come back, whose kids died when the bus got swept away. But uh, like COVID, we have in this room people who have lost loved ones to COVID. And then other people, oh, COVID's no problem because it hasn't bothered me yet. Okay, we need to have concern for more than ourselves. And and foolish people are totally self-absorbed. Secondly, they are self-indulgent. They want to indulge themselves. They want to do what they want. They want to enjoy what they want. And they're self-indulgent. Why did I pick a picture of a girl sitting on a tractor? 
because I didn't have a better picture, okay? That's all. Farmers are great. I love farmers. Wouldn't want to work on a farm, but I love them. They make great stuff that I can eat. Look at verse 14 again. Self-seeking in their hearts and and then do not boast and lie against the truth. They're self-indulgent. They're, their heart is focused. And boasting is bragging and it's being overbearing like an athlete bragging about his own performance when the team lost. Well, I did great. All those other guys just messed up. I, I love, um, anyway, I get talking about some of the athletes I really like. I'm not going to bother doing that. But there are people that are self-indulgent, and they're foolish in their indulgence of themselves. And then he said they lie against the truth. They don't believe in absolute or objective truth. Truth is, to them, subjective. Truth is how I perceive it to be today. In fact, in the philosophy of our culture, you can have your truth, and I can have my truth. How well does that work in your marriage? Uh, We have to, both of us, conform to God's truth. If we're going to have a healthy marriage, there's one truth, objective truth. There's a standard for truth. And people make up lies to make themselves feel better. They believe in their own lies because they've told it often enough. And then he he goes on to describe them. They are um, earthly and sensual and demonic, carnal, satisfying the natural desires uh, with little or no regard to spiritual truth. They're just indulging what feels good to them. They are self-indulgent. And then he talks about bitter envy, the angry behavior by some when they don't get their way. I remember years ago, um, there was a they were having a big dialogue about student debt and what a serious problem student debt is. And and student debt is a big problem, but but it's a worse problem because they make it so easy to get that debt. And when our daughter Courtney was in her master's degree program, she had to borrow money because it was a 120-hour master's. She couldn't afford to fund it all herself. And so she borrowed money and a student loan. And then she had some of her classmates who got student loans. And some of them, with their student loan money in the summertime, they flew off to another country. They uh, went different places. They bought new cars. Courtney borrowed money and paid it exclusively for her schooling. And so when they graduated, she had way less debt than they did. And I remember watching on the news this guy, and he he owed $200,000 worth of student debt. Now, He didn't have to go to that expensive of a school. He chose to. And then he's on TV saying, I'm a slave. I'm not free. This debt is hanging over me. No one made him take it. And they're talking about forgiving all student debt. I think it'd be a good idea to forgive some of it. But the ones who were grossly self-indulgent, we shouldn't forgive their debt. Why should your taxes be taken from you who've been diligent to pay for somebody who's been not? People are self-indulgent, and they're self-indulgent when they vote, they're self-indulgent when they spend money, and it's a sign of foolishness. It's not all about you again. All right, third thing is they're self-satisfied. They're self-satisfied. 
where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there, verse 16. They live for their own enjoyment and satisfaction. That's what a foolish person does. Confusion and disorder. They don't care about what is best. They care about what's best for them. There used to be a mindset called for the common good. And certain decisions were made for the common good. And we were willing to sacrifice for the common good. And that has been kind of lost in our culture today. In fact, we have a very small group in our culture demanding that everybody accept them exactly as they are no matter what. When in reality, we have the freedom to make our own decisions. But they're trying to force it on us. There are Christian schools and Christian churches that are in jeopardy right now because they will not support the, the neutrality of gender. They support God's word that says God made them male and female. And no matter what you do, surgery, surgically, cosmetically, uh, taking uh, pills, whatever, no matter what you do, a boy is born with male DNA and a girl is born with female DNA and that never changes. So what God's word says is you're supposed to accept the DNA God gave you and live within that structure. But there's a very small group of our population that is trying to make it so everybody has to accept whatever they want. And there's a Christian school right now that the case they're hoping the Supreme Court will pick it up because the lower courts have ruled against it. And they're being told within their state that that school cannot discriminate against anyone for any reason. They can't require the teachers in the Christian school to agree to the doctrine of the church. And I don't know where it's going to go. God does. He hasn't let us in on it yet. I'm hoping that pretty soon he takes us all home. But, you know, before then, it could get really ugly. But people are self-satisfied. They want what's good for them, and they don't care about other people. And they're angry with people who don't agree with them. Uh, it's their problems and their issues and their own successes. And, and they don't have any thought to the hurts and needs of other people. You might notice that when you're driving down the road. And you see this car coming flying past you. And they're zipping in and out and going crazy and flying totally uh, reckless to the safety of other people. When I served as a chaplain, every accident I went to out on the freeway was caused by a driver driving fast and aggressively and ignoring what was reasonable safety. None of those accidents that I was called out to were caused by car failure. They were all driver failure. But people just want to do what works and feels good for them. Foolish people are all about themselves. They're self-absorbed and self-indulgent and self-satisfied. Now, you can recognize wise people because they behave a little different. Again, you can't see their hearts, but you can observe the outside. The first thing is they are good people. Wise people are good people. Look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct or good conversation, by the manner in which they behave, they communicate their life to others, 
and they're good people. Now, you know what good people are like. Good people are just fun to be around, aren't they? Uh, they're enjoyable. They're pleasant. If you talk about somebody, you say, oh, they're very narcissistic and self-centered. Or you say, oh, they're good people. Well, y'all want to go out to lunch with somebody who's good people, right? Especially if they're good people and buying your lunch. Then it's a win-win, right? Uh, but, but wise people behave well. Wise kids obey. Wise adults behave appropriately. That's what we do. That's what we learn. And we live in a culture that promotes shocking behavior, and sometimes it's even crept into the church. Some of the things that they do, some of the videos people make to show in church, they're just crude. And sometimes the humor is shocking and they're trying to shock people into seeing their need for the Savior. The Bible never asks us to do that. It says present God's truth. And as the Father's drawing them, they can respond to that truth and trust and receive Christ as their Savior. So good people. Verse 17 talks about good fruits. Verse 18 about fruits of righteousness. Back in verse 17, it says they strive for purity. And the end of verse 17 says they're without hypocrisy. They're honorable. They're just good people. Now, in our culture today, it's really hard for a person who's a good person to get elected. They have to argue and fight against the other person to try and get elected. In our culture today, they don't have news stories about good people, except, uh, what was that guy, Friday? Used to be Charles Kuralt. Was Yeah, on the road. Steve Hartman. He does good people stories, and, and most of those are fun. And, and it used to be Charles Kuralt like 20 years ago. I know I'm old, but, but they're fun stories. And they would end the Friday night newscast with a fun story. So... For the first 30 minutes of the newscast, or 27 minutes of it, it was all about this shocking stuff you need to be outraged about, and, and then this last feel-good story. Uh, but good people are encouraging to other people. Secondly, they are not just good people, they are humble. They are humble. How many of you like to read? How many of you try and keep up with all the books that are printed? No? In a given year, 2.3 million books are printed, are pr produced. Some of them are e-books. But 2.3 million books produced in a year. Some of them self-published, some of them published by other companies. But of those 2.3 million, uh, about half of them are printed in English. How many of you read more than a million books a year? Anybody? No. No, I mean, I mean you, if you love reading and you're a quick reader, you might read a couple hundred books in a year. Uh, but even a couple thousand would be a stretch. Several hundred thousand would be impossible. So you cannot keep up with all the information that's being produced. So wise people know that they don't know. Wise people understand they don't know everything. Foolish people 
and teenage boys, sometimes synonymous, they believe they know everything. They got it all figured out. But wise people understand they don't. And yes, I was picking on the teenage boys, but teenage girls do it too. It's a hard thing when you're a teenager because you're so certain you know more than your parents do. Just give it 10 years. You'll be amazed how smart your parents become. And, you know, we, we have this uh, idea that we have it all figured out. And I was at a preacher's conference once, and this pastor got up, and he had it all figured out. And he was talking about how much he'd learned and studied and grown, and he had it all figured out. And, you know, there's places in the Bible where God does not give us information There's parts of Scripture where there's a little bit of ambiguity. God didn't define it clearly for us. He left some wiggle room in it. This guy had it all figured out. There's parts in the Scripture where certain people are unnamed. It talks about the two witnesses. It talks about the young man. But it doesn't mention them by name. He knew who they were. He had figured it out. And... You know, if God really wanted us to know who it was, God had the capacity to put their name in the book. The Holy Spirit was inspiring the writers. He could have told them exactly who it was. He didn't. This guy had it all figured out. And he nearly destroyed a healthy, growing church because he had all the answers. And, you know, you don't have all the answers. I don't. I remember one time I was teaching a class, and I said, who is God? And, you know, I wanted them to think about who God really was, the creator, the omnipotent one, you know. So I said again, nobody said anything. So I said, who is God? And then this one guy says, oh, pastor, if you don't know, we're all in trouble. (laughs) But, But see, the truth is, there's a lot I don't know. There's a lot of spiritual truth in the Word of God. I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't even have the capacity to memorize a book. Some of the people in this room have memorized an entire book. I can memorize a chapter if it's, you know, like three verses long. Uh, No, I, I can memorize short groups of Scripture if I work really hard at it. But memorizing is more challenging for me. And part of it is I think the most important thing is learn where it is and what it means. Then I can find it and use it. But uh, I know some of you are really, really good at memorizing. So uh, a wise person realizes they don't know everything, that they don't have all the answers. In fact, verse 17 uses this phrase, that they're willing to yield. They're willing to accept information from other people and insights from other people. Uh, I knew a pastor who would, he'd never been a farmer, but he could tell farmers how to do their job better. He'd never been a mechanic, but he could tell a guy how to run his shop better. He, he just had all the answers because he'd studied. It was different than the other guy, by the way. And, and he had it all figured out. All you needed to do was learn from his wisdom. Well, listen, I don't want you following Terry Green. I want you following Jesus Christ. He's the perfect one. He's the one with all knowledge. I can help point you to Christ. But if I try and get between you and Christ, then I'm hindering 
what God wants to do in your life. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only one. So wise people are humble. They're willing to learn. They're willing to grow. They're willing to consider. They'll listen to opinions. They may not agree with you, but they'll show grace in the process of listening. Thirdly, wise people are kind. They are kind. They genuinely care about others. I picked this picture because it looks like that guy's giving directions. Maybe you can't see it very clearly, but uh, the shorter guy in the picture has a map and the the guy beside him is pointing the direction to give him uh, the direction of where to go, helping. They're kind. They genuinely care about others. Listen to the words that James uses here under the inspiration of the scripture. In verse 17, he uses the word peaceable, peaceable. In fact, in verse 18, he says they, they make sown in peace by those who make peace. A wise person is try, tries to pull people together, uh, tries to show kindness and, and care about people. He's not trying to divide people. I mean, yes, the Bible says we have to separate from those who choose to walk ungodly, but, but it also says we need to show God's love to them and reach out to people and care for people. There's a peaceableness. They're sowing peace and they're making peace. Back in verse 17, gentle gentle. The person who gets praised in our culture is not the one who's gentle, but the ones who's aggressive and assertive and in your face. They're the ones who get all the publicity and get paid the millions of dollars, but that's not the person God respects. And someday, you're only going to care what God thinks. So the more you care about that now, the better off you'll be on that day. Then he uses another word in here, uh, in verse 17, another phrase, full of mercy and good fruits. What does it look like to be full of mercy? Now, when I was a dad with young kids, I didn't understand this full of mercy quite so well. I was a little harsh with my kids, or a lot harsh, depending on which kid you talk to. And, and I learned, and I grew, and if you're not able to show more mercy today than you could 10 years ago, then you're moving in the wrong direction. A wise person has a fullness of mercy, the capacity to show kindness and love and care and concern for people. And then he uh, says also in verse 17, without partiality and without hypocrisy. We already talked about the hypocrisy, but without partiality. Uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, it might have been Friday evening, we had our oldest daughter, Jessica, was here with uh, our two grandkids that are her kids, and they spent the night with us, and uh, at one point, uh, Eleanor got in a little bit of an argument with Jessica, and I stepped in and I said, as an unbiased observer, I side with Jessica on this, and here's why. And Eleanor says, oh, but you're not unbiased, because she's like your daughter. And I said, ask her. Ask her if her being my daughter made me show extreme favoritism toward her. No, but you know, some people do. 
Um, my wife had a friend years ago that their, her daughter said a bad word to our daughter Jess. They were young friends, and the one girl used a bad word, and Kathy was sure the girl didn't know what the word meant. So she mentioned to the girl's mom that Jessica said, your daughter used this word, and I wanted you to be aware. So she got so offended that we would think that her daughter would say something like that. Her daughter was never allowed to play with our daughter ever again. Listen, you have to be full of mercy. Learn and grow. Not show partiality. Show good fruits and righteousness and good conduct and goodness and wisdom. So who is wise and understanding among you? If I had a big mirror out here, a magic mirror, and we said, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the wisest of them all? Would your face pop up there? Now, the wisest decision you could ever make is trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Cheryl and Danny did that this month. Month's not over. If you have not trusted Christ, you could do it this month too. And you need to believe that he paid the penalty for your sins, that he died on the cross, and that he rose from the grave, and you ask him to forgive your sins and be your savior, and he will. That's the wisest thing you can ever do. And the second wisest thing you can ever do is live in a way that would please him. Someday you're going to stand before the Lord, and you want to please him. So, are you a good person? Are you humble? Are you uh, kind to other people? Are you following the pattern, the, the characteristics that James wrote in here of wise behavior? Or are you self-absorbed and self-seeking and self-interested? Are you looking at your own stuff? Are you caring about other people? Are you realizing that there's a lot of hurt people in our world and you have the capacity to help make their day better. You know, one thing that I've started doing when, when uh, I, I went shopping with a friend in Texas and we went to a grocery store and he told me ahead of time, they're going to try and rip me off. He said, they always try and charge me more. And so the, the clerk made a goof and he yells at him and gets it all straightened out and gets his money back. And then we left. And I said, why do you go there if they do that all the time? But then I thought about it later and I thought, would that clerk have any idea that he and I were Christians? And you know what I have learned is if a clerk makes an error, I try and be kind. And I try to say, hey, everybody makes mistakes, you know, it's a bummer for you. You have to redo it, and we'll, we'll live. And if the person in front of me in a line, I don't shop very often. I have a phobia of stores. There's too many things that draw my attention. Stores are horrible for people with ADHD. It's like everything on the shelf looks great. And so I, I, uh, I'm a buyer, not a shopper. I target, I zip in, grab it, and get out as fast as I can. And uh, but if the person in front of you is obnoxious and rude to the cashier, you can thank them for their kind response to that person. Boy, you handled that well. You must get a lot of grief in your job sometimes. 
I appreciate the way you did that. It can really make a difference in their lives. You might not get a chance to bring Jesus into the conversation, but you can show a little love like Christ showed love to people when he was on the earth. And then when you get a chance to share his truth, they'll be more willing to listen if you have brought kindness and mercy and grace and goodness into their life. Because we live in a harsh world and there's no indication it's getting better. Every indication it's going to get worse till the Lord calls us home. But we have a chance to represent him. Uh, this afternoon at, at uh, 5 o'clock, we're going to have a service. We're going to be looking at wisdom from, John, from Proverbs 16. And here's one of the verses. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen than silver. Proverbs 16, 16. Wisdom is better. Well, how could wisdom be better than gold and silver? Well, if you have wisdom, you can always earn more gold or silver. You invest wisely, do the right things. But also, you can be incredibly rich and lose it all. And you can be incredibly rich and self-centered and narcissistic and hurt people and not have any joy of the Lord in your life. But if you have wisdom... You're going to walk with the Lord in the land of the living, as the scriptures describe it. You'll walk with him now while you're waiting to walk with him in person in heaven. So, are you a wise person? If you came to church with somebody else, then when you go home or go out to lunch, you can ask them, would you think I'm a wise person? On the result of what we looked at at church today, am I more foolish or more wise? You can give them a grade, you know, uh, zero to 10, 10 being very wise and zero being very foolish. Where would you rate me on that scale? And let me tell you this, if they give you a low score, you might feel frustrated, but all they're doing is observing you. And they see you differently than you see you but God sees you perfectly. So let's learn, let's grow, let's become wise people that can make a difference in other people's lives as well as in our own. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for the mercy you show us that you're willing to forgive our sins and save us. Thank you for the joy that you give us because we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for the family of faith that you made us a part of, that we can grow and learn together and mature in Christ. And we thank you that today we have the opportunity to walk with you while you walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.